This episode of The Spiritually Sassy Show was brought to you by Higher Dose. Elevate your mood, promote a healthy glow, support long-term health benefits, and lift your spirit with Higher Dose's at-home wellness tools that use nature-inspired technologies to release a dose of your feel-good chemicals like dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins naturally. Higher Dose's infrared, PEMF, and red light devices elevate your health and beauty rituals while their collection of body products boosts the benefits so you feel more rejuvenated, refreshed, grounded, and glowing. Ready to test the best biohacking technologies and feel better daily? Visit higherdose.com and enter the code SAW15 to save 15% on your first order. That's higherdose.com and enter the code SAH15 to save 15% on your first order and prepare to get high on your own supply. And now, on to the show. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show, where we are redefining what it means to be spiritual in the modern world. I'm your host, Sadi Simone. I'm a mystic, an artist, transformational speaker, two-time best-selling author, and the creator of the Somatic Activated Healing Method. And actually, later this year, I'm going to be putting out a third book, so soon to be three-time best-selling author, honey. And I'm so grateful and excited that you are here. Don't forget, if you love the show, please rate, review, subscribe, and stay in touch with me at Sandy Simone on IG or TikTok. Let me spell that out for you. S-A-H-D-S-I-M-O-N-E. And our guest today, honey, it is a honor, a rare, amazing opportunity to have my very own sister, my blood sister. We have shared the same womb. We've come from the same mother. It is a crazy thing to think that her and I are blood related, not just like soul sisters, but truly blood related. Okay. Moon de Simone is a spiritual mentor, meditation guide, and artist. Moon has studied with some of the most prolific spiritual masters in the world, including His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, Jetsuma Tenzin Palmo, Venerable Karen Valam, Lama Zoparbin Pache, Venerable Rubina Cortin, and the Oracle, Kadro La. Moon has done several long retreats, including her latest three-month silent retreat where she was practicing this very, very advanced tantric Buddhist uh, technique called the Vajrasafa purification method. Um, Moon has a retreat coming up at Maha Rose in Mazunte, Mexico, which is in February 27th through March 4th. Check her out on socials at Moon D. Simone, M-O-U-N-D-S-I-M-O-N-E. And the other thing I need to say to all of you, Moon has been personally asked by Copan Monastery to guide meditations. When you're asked by Copan Monastery to guide meditations, for the Western mind, let me translate this for you. It's like being asked to teach at Harvard. So I'm like fully gagged. When she told me that they asked her to do it, I was like, excuse me, bitch. Part of me was a little jealous. And then part of me was like, wow, this is my sister. Holy shit. 
thank God for you. Thank God for your discipline, your audacity, your courage to keep going and, you know, to be seen by these prolific, you know, the OG masters of our time. So welcome to the show, sister. Hi, my love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for that intro. And thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Mm, it's my honor as well. We are so grateful that you're here. And today's episode is a little saucier. It's a little different. It's not like me getting to know Moon. It's not, it's not that. It is we have put out a call to the community to ask me questions. And you guys have sent so many legendary, really deep, profound questions. And it was very heartfelt to read the questions. So I figured, why not bring my sister, who's someone that I highly, probably one of the very few people that I trust with advice, you know, like she's someone that anyone can go to. And if I were to say, ask her advice, and I, I will put my hand in the fire for her, like literally somebody who I fully trust. So I thought, why not ask Moon, bring Moon into this episode so her and I can ask the question, answer the questions for you guys together. And the hope is that you will feel empowered and, and, and have a, a, a wider perspective into your challenges, into your problems, into your trauma, into your pain as you enter the world after you have listened to this episode. Cool. Are you ready, Moon? I'm so ready. I'm excited for the questions. <laughs> okay, let's do it. So Doris asks, hi there, love. First of all, you've been such an amazing inspiration in my spiritual journey. I listen to all your podcasts and I always feel like I gain so much knowledge from it. I feel like though all this information feels overwhelming sometimes, meaning I'm not sure how I can include every step into my everyday life. Would you mind please giving me some advice on how you're managing to bring, bring in all the spiritual help into the social norm? For example, the go with the flow, but also follow your goals. It feels confusing sometimes. What do you think, Moon? What would you tell Doris? How do we apply all the spiritual wisdom into our day-to-day -day and then lead into her second sort of question, go with the flow, but also follow your goals? Mm. Well, amazing question, Doris, and I think that all of us at various times in our path will come up to that same question because it's one thing to do your practice in the cushion where everything feels like I'm here, I've organized my time, I'm doing my practice, but then when you are engaging with someone or you're having a challenging conversation, it's like, okay, how do we actually apply the practice in the real day-to-day -day lives? So the first thing that I would say is organize yourself in a sense that take care of your inner world before you approach the world so that there's more of you present when something challenging arises. For example, you get into a difficult conversation or, you know, you have a car accident, for example, so that you don't react instantly. There has to be a level of stability within you to be able to meet that experience and respond. And what I mean is a few non-negotiables that you do every day, like, the same way that, you know, Sai and I have actually talked about this for so long, but have your mental hygiene, you know, your spiritual hygiene that you breathe and you sit and meditate. And we're talking about, you no, know, meditate for 10 minutes, do a breath work for another 10 minutes, a little bit of journaling, maybe some prayers, set some intentions, take care of how you eat, set your intentions for the day and for how you can show up fully for every situation. Because if you can take care of yourself from that place, meeting the world and meeting the challenges can actually 
be part of your practice. They can actually support you mm. to deepen and to grow because it's easy to practice when quote unquote, the conditions are what you want them, but it's very hard. And where the actual true spiritual practice happens is when you have a challenging experience and you pause and you breathe, which comes from that stability, which comes from that practice to then respond instead of react. And just to um, add something to what you said, go with the flow, but also, you know, what was the exact words that she used? Go, go with, with the flow versus follow, um, follow your goals. Go with the flow versus follow your goals. I think that that's what the Buddha also talked for, you know, numberless times. It's, it's go with the flow, but also follow your goals. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Perfect. It, go with the flow and follow your goals. I think that that's the, the perfect balance of life that we're always aspiring to dance in that fine line that you do need the goals you do need the structure we do need the discipline and we also do need to be flexible to meet the challenges and to meet how life is always changed the only thing that's really certain is that things will change because if you're too rigid on following your goals and your and what you need you miss the actual opportunity to meet the moment and to practice and I, I would say that this is really a day-to-day, -day, you know, you meet yourself and, you, and it becomes very much a practice that you get to show up for yourself and be tender with yourself when you fall or when you miss a practice or when you have to practice in the evening or when you do say something that afterwards you feel like, oh, wow, I could have, I could have said something different. So experience a little bit of remorse and, and forgive yourself, really. I think that something very important as well is to be kind because life is already so hard. So adding more mm. hardness, there's not a real spiritual practice. Um, mm. I think I'll stop here. You know, I could go for a long time. but I'm That is so delicious. Oh, my God. So I have a few takeaways from what you said, which I think are phenomenal. I'm just going to echo what you said. The non-negotiables, which I think are phenomenal. You also said the hardships in life become the path. And that's the foundation of the Buddhist path. That's the foundation of the Vajrayana path of Buddhism, which we both study. We're both uh, practitioners in this, in this lineage. I love that. And the, and the last thing you said, which is to, and I'm translating what you said through my own, uh, through my own limited understanding, it's to not hold on to outcomes too tightly. To just understand that everything changes, that like you you set your mind on an outcome and you and you aspire to reach that exact outcome, but just be fucking open that everything will change, that it, nothing may happen the way you thought it would, but can I still open up to gratitude? Can I still open up to acceptance? Could I? Do I have accept? Uh, do I have access to acceptance, forgiveness, kindness, and inspiration in the face of very hard experiences? Because we say this on a podcast so often, being human is painful. When we understand that trauma is a fact of life, we can start to soften at the fact that like shit's going to happen. How are we going to deal with it? So I want to I wanna go off on, on what you said about the non-negotiables and that addresses Doris' question so prolifically. Um, prolifically? Is that even a, a, a word? I don't know, bitch, but we're making that shit up today. <laughs> Listen, non-negotiables, I think they're, I think, you know, when we experience tremendous trauma, like in the case of, of our experience, our, our, our dear beloved mother uh, died. And it's taken me about a month and, 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 some, and some days to even feel like I, I'm safe in my body, to even make a sense of reality that I'm here, I have a purpose, I have a mission, you know, 
really feel like I'm in my body and it's not just this surreal fucked up trip called life that there is um, potential uh, learnings to come from really hard things, right? Look, and I say this just to preface that when you have gone through tremendous trauma, take care, be easy on yourself, you know, wash the TV, eat the soup, order the French fries with a milkshake if that's what you need, smoke the cigarettes, have the Diet Coke, don't drink and do drugs, girl, because I will come for you, okay? But if you do need to do it, by all, by all means, do it, but just be aware of it. And the reason why I'm saying all this is because sometimes when really tragic things happen and you're bombarded by the outside world saying, meditate, dance, run, do this, pray, but it's like, no, shut the fuck up. How could I just like go through today without taking my own life? How could I go through today connecting to the will to live? So with tremendous extreme capital T trauma, like the death of a father, or the death of a mother, excuse me, or something, many of the horrific things that can happen in human life, like take it easy, be gentle, but try to keep in mind what Moon said. What are the non-negotiables? Every day since, since our, our, our mom's uh, death, I have tried and I have practiced, I have to give myself more credit to be in my body, to breathe, to notice my emotions, to connect, to reach out, you know, to drink water, to sleep, to go on walks. You know, I'm not in the full Jedi mode that I, that I, that I am when, you know, previously to, to our, to our mother dying, but I am, I have been actively trying and every day I'm adding a couple minutes to my meditation, a couple minutes, because I don't have the complete internal stability right now to sit with my eyes closed and not have the flashing memory of walking to the hospital and, and going through the entire uh, traumatic experience that was seeing mom in the hospital, in the hospital, hospital bed. So all this to say, non-negotiables, what are you willing to do no matter what happens? Moon mentioned journaling. I love journaling. I have a gratitude journal that I that I journal too. Read a little bit of a sacred text every day. You know, sit down to meditate every day. Don't look at the people say meditate for an hour a day, 30 minutes a day, 45. Don't. Don't. Don't listen to those people. Those people are not actively connected to the true reality that so many of us are, are undergoing. Okay. Maybe hopefully at some point we will get to go on a three-month retreat like Moon went and meditate for 12 hours a fucking day. Or how some other people who meditate for two, three, four hours a day, fine. But right now, all we're asking of you is to meditate for five to 10 minutes a day. Pray a little bit. Ask the unseen world for support. Ask the unseen forces to help you get through what you're going through. Ask the unseen forces to help you get a miracle, help you see reality different, you know? Um, and go on a walk, dance a little bit. The non-negotiables, do a little bit every day. And the, the other last thing I want to say before I move on from this question is, we have to stop approaching our healing like the capitalistic mm -hmm. approach that we have that has been indoctrinated into our psyches that is embedded in a traumatic level into our biology. We cannot take in a new information every five minutes. I go from this podcast to this podcast to this book to this blah, 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 blah. like it, you're not processing shit. You're not digesting. Think about the same way that you eat food. You have perhaps two or three meals a day and then you're full 
or maybe you snack here and there. Th think about the digestion, your, your biological digestion with the same uh, way that you think about your spiritual digestion of, of, of uh, intellectual uh, stuff coming in. Girl, you can't take in anything else. You can't take any more information. Practice, practice. Arrive at a place to live what, with what Moon said. Non-negotiables. Meditate every day, no matter how fucked up things are. Walk a little bit every day, no matter how fucked up things are. Pray a little bit, no matter how challenging things are. Journal every day, no matter how challenging things are. You know, And when you do experience capital T trauma, a really horrific thing like the death of your beloved mother, then give yourself some time to pick yourself back up. And if that means eating junk food and smoking cigarettes and drinking a Diet Coke and whatever the fuck may be for you, do it. Watching TV for six to eight hours a day, do it. As long as you continue to remind yourself that you will live. And to go back to one more thing that Moon said, this too will pass. Because like everything in human life is everything's always changing. Like that. What do you think, Moon? Anything you want to add to this? I do want to say one more thing. Thank you, my love. What a perfect, incredible way to add and, and, and elaborate on what I shared. I, I want to add something that I feel it's important for everyone and myself included, and you and I have talked about this extensively as well, is that there's a different, very, very different thing between spiritual development and genuine uh, self-development and genuine spiritual practice. What we're talking about mm. here, the work that Sal does, the work that I do, the work that we truly believe are devoted, take refuge in and have seen transformation in ourselves, in our families, in our clients and students is through genuine spiritual practice. So what does that mean? That there isn't anything very pretty about this. Actually, it's not. It's hard work. It is hard work, but it's where you get to actually experience the depth of love amidst horrific experience like we have just experienced, where you can actually work, move through life from a place of, of feeling connected to yourself and others. There is no five steps to feeling happy. There is no quick fix. There is no fixing your trauma, fixing anything. There is no way to fix or solve or anything. It is a process it is it is a mysterious unfolding a dance that only you get to experience with yourself with the support of your community with the support of your practices with the support of like sa said some unseen forces that are always supporting you so i think it's important because we're talking about the daily practices and we're talking about how to integrate to know if you're following parts of you that are still connected to what you think needs to be or being or fixing something or what it looks like on someone else's Instagram and what it truly genuinely brings you inner peace. They're very different mm. things. And to add to the non-negotiable, it's very, very important and necessary to be kind, to be kind every moment that you can to be a little bit more loving to yourself. Because like Sa said, this capitalist way of working with ourselves just continues to impose this idea that there is a right way to go about life, that things should look a certain way or that you should be something that's very hard and wrong and detrimental and actually very harmful. So what we're doing is revolutionary. What we're actually doing with our inner world and our communities, we're swimming upstream. This is totally hard work, but it's the only thing that has bring me. And I know for size, well, a little bit of sense of there is a way through the deep darkness that is to be a real alive human being. I just mm -hmm. wanted to add that because 
I've been talking about this so much with my clients and with my colleagues and peers. And we talked about this recently and, and I felt like it was necessary, especially with this question that we just um, answered. Mm -hmm. And I just want to quickly elaborate on this thing that we don't fix our trauma. We don't resolve our trauma. Why? And in my understanding of it, it's because what happened happened, uh, period, right? So the memory of it will, will still be there. But how do you find peace with what happened is what dictates the quality of your day, the quality of your life. So it, you can't fix what happened, but you can bring peace into how you feel towards what happened, you know, and the capacity to realize that you know, some seasons of life are going to be really, really tragic and other seasons are going to be really very inspiring. And there's going to be lots of, of, of a big harvest of all the things you've been planting and, and fertilizing and, and tending to and the garden of your life may be really beautiful. And you're probably having a, a, a gorgeous, uh, you know, fruit salad of all the delicious fruits that you just uh, picked up in the, in the garden of your life. Just remember that the idea that we are meant to feel good all the time, it's a capitalistic uh, lie that, that a lot of people in the personal development space preach as a truth, which is so not the truth. The reality is not about feeling good. The reality is about feeling uh, content and satisfied and, and at peace with everything that life throws at you, no matter how big or how small. You know, can I let whatever is coming in come and go? And when it goes, can I be okay that it went? And can I still have no need for anything? You know, as we're leaving, as I was leaving Nepal um, this last November, I we we met with one of our teachers, Venerable Sarah uh, Trashler, and she said something so profound. She says, I forgot the exact words, but she says, you know, what it means to be peaceful, what it means to, what, how can you encompass all of the Buddhist teachings into one, into a few sen short sentences? And she said, whatever comes, let it come. Whatever goes, let it go. Have no need for anything. Just be kind. And I, I, that just came into my mind stream as you're talking about people feeling like they have to fix and resolve and get this exact outcome. And that's what a lot of people in the personal development space preach versus what spiritual teachers are actually preaching, which is, which is much more of a vast view. It's a knowing, it's a deep gnosis that just like the day, there is night. But we are so afraid of the night. We perceive the night to be dark and, and fearful and scary. But we forget that there's so many creatures that only live at night. There's so many, uh, there's so many uh, vegetables and flowers that only bloom at night. We forget that the moon comes and the moon is, is, is orienting the, 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 the direction of the ocean. And we are so misguided with the view that whatever is dark or shadowy is bad. And this goes, goes into this, this um, capitalistic self-development approach to, to uh, happiness, which says that it's only through the light. And you see people saying love and light, love and light all the time, which makes me personally gag. And it's not a good gag. It's a gag that I actually want to projectile vomit in your face. So you stop saying that because it's very hurtful. We rather you say in the mud with you. You know, because we know that we need the day and we need the night and we need the shadow we need the, and we need the light. You know, it's not this or that. It's this and that. And that's something else which we don't have vocabulary for. It's not this or that. It's this and that. And that's something else. That third truth. 
which we don't have language for, which the mystics have said, have pointed us to, and us, you know, Moon and I as modern mystics, as, as modern day uh, spiritual teachers with our work, where all we're doing is pointing you to have the gnosis, pointing you to have the cosmic download, pointing you to the direction where your mind is in full alignment with your body and your heart, where you are so profoundly inspired, you're so profoundly in the knowing of all things, but it's so scary, so we don't do it. But that is a direction. And once you open up to that field, the vast field that all teachers speak about, you know, all masters, all saints, all sages, all deities, all divine holy beings have spoken about that field. It's ineffable. There's no words to describe it. So work towards glimpsing into that. Work towards being okay with not knowing. Work towards being okay with locked rooms. Work towards not having the desperate need to open every door that you don't have the keys for. Just like be okay and walking through the dark hallway of your life. Now, master being able to see in the dark. Now that's the spiritual path. Can you have 2020 vision in the dark? Now, girl, that is the shit we're talking about, honey. Okay, I'm so inspired by talking to you. I'm like, shit, we can do this every day. Will you talk? Will you have a will you come on the podcast every week, honey? <laughs> okay. Yes. So next question from Anonymous. Hi, Anonymous. How are you? Anonymous asks, how to stop obsessive compulsive behavior? Mm. You open. Hi, Anonymous. What do you want me to open? What do you prefer? Okay, go. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was just going off of you. No, please go. Hi, Anonymous. Um, how to stop with obsessive compulsive behaviors? Hmm. First of all, let me validate to you that we all have them. We all have obsessive compulsive behaviors. If you're human walking this earth right now, you have those same patterns. Some people hide them really well. Other people talk about them. And other people like you ask for help. So wonderful. Well done, my love, for reaching out because I'm sure that this question will help so many people as well. So there's, of course, different layers and different capacities and different extremes. But what happens is that that, to my, from my perspective, when we have those obsessive compulsive behaviors, there's something within us that's almost the, the driving force for those behaviors that's actually needing your attention. It's just one part of you that reacts in that way that needs to, let's say, be seen or be expressed or you know, I like to think that's like, that's a part of me that kind of like needs my attention, like a little girl inside. It's like, boom, 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 but it needs me. So it, it acts out in those obsessive compulsive behaviors as a way to cope, as a way to protect, as a way to get to be seen, as a way to also really self-protect from pain and hurt and the discomfort, like Sa has said before. So I like to think that these are like the self-protective mechanisms, like the little guards around our hearts that react in those ways. So if we, if we can tend to what's actually behind that, that's the pain that we're experiencing or that we have experienced, or like there has been a traumatic experience that happened in your past, that when it happened, hence why it became traumatic, you didn't have the tools to digest or to work with it, so those obsessive compulsive behaviors came, let's say, they became a part of your life as a way for you to cope. So it's okay. It has happened. And now that you have more awareness to realize, well, these are some behaviors that no longer 
resonate with me, that no longer make me feel relaxed. It actually adds stress, adds anxiety. So how do I work with them? I tend to them. I love them. I embrace them. I accept them. Mm. And I know that they too are passing. There is no way for you to work with any part of you if you're pushing them away, if you're resisting, or if you're deeming them as bad. Nothing is inherently good or bad. It's just a pattern. It's just a behavior and it is changing like everything else. So my invitation for you will be to write a little bit about what are those patterns? What is it that you do? What are the triggers that come up when, what are the triggers that trigger those behaviors? What are the feelings that come in your body? Do you feel tight? Do you feel tense? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel like there is no way around it? Do you feel so energized and and you're there's many, many of them. So I want you to, first of all, say, okay, I'm getting to study my inner world right now with love and with kindness and knowing that you're the only one that can do that for you. So I love to write things out. I have, I have little like tables in my journals that I would write, okay, this is a trigger. This comes up. What do I do? Because it is, I want you to think about that. You are studying your inner world and I want you to feel excited about it because you get to do that. You get to study your inner world. You get to love those parts of you. You get to integrate more of who you really are so that you can transform those patterns into loving, into into creativity, into expression instead of reaction that keeps you more separate from your truth and from others. So first thing is awareness, which you have, write things down, breathe through it all because it's not comfortable, but it's only through those murky, uncomfortable waters that we get to really experience more of who we really are. And with the daily practice, like we answered in the first question, you can have a little more stability and presence when the trigger arises and you say, oh, wow, here's that trigger, how you would normally react and how do you want to respond from this new place of, of, of acknowledging, well, a part of me could react in this way, in this way, in this way that I usually do. All right. What else is here? You know, the fantastic Tarbrock teacher, Buddhist teacher has so beautifully offered me this teaching through, you know, books and everything. She says, every moment that you can stop and ask, what else is here? You're giving yourself more than just one single view. Because when we are in the reactive loop, we think that there's only one way. Our mind becomes narrow, our awareness becomes small. It's almost like everything's dark. And you think the only way through is through the reactive, obsessive behavior. But it's not. If you can pause, and I know it's not easy when you are in that loop, but how can you do? You breathe one moment. You roll your shoulders and you say, okay, I'm here. What else is here? A part of me feels like this. A part of me wants to eat, to, to do, to react, to do the drugs, to call, to run away. Whatever the behavior is, just acknowledge a part of you wants that. And what else is here? There are so many parts to our experience. And a lot of them are very contradicting as well. But they all need us, you know. There isn't a way for you to kick that behavior or that part of you off the show. You love them into integration and into wholeness. And through that, you can transform those patterns. And that energy that is driving that pattern, that's driving that behavior, is just energy. It's literally like energy. So what do you want to do with that? You can do a practice, you can express, you can cook, you can paint, you can draw, you can clean, you can go for a run. Use that energy. You can scream. You can express that anger from a place that feels a little bit more cautious, not cautious, but more conscious, right? More tended to instead of reactive. So think about that the emotions are energy passing by, that if you can come in with awareness to express them 
then they no longer become those reactive compulsive behaviors. So you have that power. Really, you're the only person that can do that for you. And the more you do, the more empowered you will feel that you're the one really driving the car, saving yourself, taking care of yourself. Because trust me, we've all been there that we wish someone would come and knock on our doors and save us, right? I mean, I had that dream. Someone will come and save me. Someone will come and take care of everything, but that won't happen. And the more you do for yourself, little by little, taking care of those patterns, taking care of yourself, knowing that we all have them, validating, humanizing your experience, being kind, the more you get to actually realize that this is part of the human experience. And it's actually the most natural thing to, to work through those patterns and, and get to creatively express them, get to creatively, you know, love those parts of you that perhaps were once felt like they weren't lovable or they weren't um, acceptable. Mm, my God, like drop the mic, honey, throw that mic across the room, please toss it across the room. You said so many things here. I'm just like, shit, I got nothing to add. Maybe a couple things, but... One thing you said, I mean, you said so many things that I'm just like, holy shit, this is so profound. One thing you said, which is, which is so incredible. That's like ringing in my mind. So it's, and I'm, I'm using this as the definition to what it means to heal. It's loving the parts of ourselves that we don't like in loving them so much that, that they become integrated, not pushing them away. I love that. Well said, sister of the light. Oh my goodness, sister of the light and sister of the mud. <laughs> Listen, one thing you said, which I love so much, so, so many things you said, I'm just like, wow, I hope you're all taking notes, honey, because that shit is deep. I love what you said about our trauma responses, our, our obsessive compulsive behaviors are we have to accept them. We have to love them into, into in, we have to love them so much that they become integrated. I think there's a huge problem uh, in, our, in our world that what, what we deem as, as normal. You know, we, are, we have this view that certain things are okay and certain things are not. And, and to a degree, certain things are destructive, unholy, uh, inflammatory, uh, negative, you know, just um, not, Okay. And we have to understand that, yes, they have certain, you know, certain aspects, some parts of reality do have that texture to them, but we get to choose how we interpret them. As Moon is saying, if you are willing to give new meaning to your, to your obsessive compulsive behaviors, um, like when it comes, okay, cool. I'm getting the I'm getting the urge to do the obsessive compulsive behavior. That one thing that I deem as destructive, bad, unholy, you know, disgusting, whatever it may be. Instead of applying that view that this is bad, can we see that behavior as something that helped to survive? Can we see that trauma response as 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 the clutch that's helped you to walk through life, to go through life, to make it through another day? Right. And that opens a view, opens to the vast view, opens to the wide view. And, and from that place, then then I, I love what Moon said. See if you can then, you know, create from it, be inspired by it. Um, so I think one big thing that I want to offer is just to re re reiterate what Moon said. It's like, see if you can just, first of all, have a moment of gratitude for those obsessive compulsive, compulsive behaviors because they've helped you. You know, they have helped you survive. They've helped you cope with the traumatic experience that it means that it is to be 
human. It is fucking traumatic. It is fucking painful. And your obsessive compulsive behaviors have actually helped you. Don't let anyone else tell you different because they're full of shit. This right here is you're listening from someone who's who's gone through the, the valley of agony, who's navigated through the hell realms. So we can tell you from lived experience, you know? And then I think another thing that of course you see it from this view first. You you under you you interpret through this heart-centered view, not through this mind-centered view. Through the heart-centered view, you're able to see, okay, cool, this does have a destructive outcome when I do it. This does have a destructive um um um, um quality to it. And thank you for thank you for help, ha having helped me. And then Go to that list that Moon offered, right? Do that little thing. Okay, when this happens, this is how I feel and this is what I do. Listen back to what she said and, and, and really write down those notes because they are prolific. And then what I also want to offer here is a tracking technique. It's somatic awareness. It's what's happening in the body as you are experiencing the obsessive compulsive uh, behavior. Like before the beha before behavior, there is an energy, an, an energetics they're happening in the body. The emotional body has been signaled and pulled toward, has been awakened. And, and what happens after the energetic, the emotional, is we speak or we act or we perhaps do both at the same time. And so track, and before actually speak or we act, there's a thinking process that happens, right? So uh, essentially, if we're to break it down in a very a very simplistic form, which is a very complex inner system, mm -hmm. we feel, we think, we react, right? So we oftentimes with, with, um, with obsessive compulsive behaviors or obsessive compulsive behavior um, uh, or obsessive compulsive disorder, um, we often feel and we the, the thinking process goes into a loop and then the words are blurring out of our mouth without any restraint, without any mindfulness, without any... Um, 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 awareness, and and we act in in unholy, uh, unhealthy, destructive ways before, before we even uh, even aware of it, we we black out, right? But there is a point of origin, which is the emotional body. You can go to that place and you can track it. And a really simple thing to do is when you feel when you are ready, doing the thing, right? I say this so often: big story, big feeling. Or big behavior, big feeling. Anything that's in the big, it's it, it's we can we it's anything that's in that in that space, we can we can anything that's big or small. But for a lot of people who are not who don't have um, a lot of inner stability, which is fine. It's taken me ten years to be where I'm at today, so take it easy, girl, um, hunties, brothers and sisters and queers of the light, take it easy. So, but I do need you to practice tracking somatic awareness of what's happening in the body. What's going on in the body when I have that big story that I'm bad, that I need to be punished or that I need to do this or that. It's the only way if I do this thing, it's the only way that I'm going to feel better. If those stories are there, if those behaviors are there, go to the body. The body is is alerting you to a big feeling. And, and instead of following through with the behavior, with the thinking process, with the words, whatever, Go to the body, track it. Where is it in my body that I feel that? And start to name it. Because as you name it, it starts to change. Oh, I feel it in my belly. It's this texture. It's this color. Oh, it's a feeling of guilt. It's a feeling of shame. It's a feeling of blame. It's a feeling of hopelessness. It's this or that. Whatever it may be, track it. Texturize it. Give it, give it, create a sort of a 
paint a picture of it. If you had to describe how hopelessness feels in your body to a person that's sitting in front of you, you know, how would you let them into your inner world? How would you paint a picture of them? That is somatic awareness. That is you tracking what's happening in your body. And as you track it and you name it, you will notice that it will start to change. And through that inner change, your desire to follow through with the thinking process, your desire to follow through with the with the words and the actions will soften. They will no longer be there, but not in the same way, at least for at least. Yeah, because it will take a while before you can you can choose another direction to go. But first things first, track what the fuck is going on in your body. What is going on in the body when I am in my in my obsessive compulsive behavior, in my OCD spiral? What's going on for me? Through that tracking, a, a, a light bulb will go off. A moment of clarity will make itself known to you. And you will know what the next best action, only from pausing and only from tracking. If you could track what's happening inside your body when you're going through that spiral, when the downward spiral is, is so seductive, it's pulling you in and you're like literally halfway in already, half your body's already pulled into the, to the downward spiral. But in that moment, you could track it. You start to name it. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Wow, I have a neck pain. Wow, my neck's so tense. Wow, I feel like this. I feel like it's. I feel like it's a. It's a sharp pain that feels like this. And that, like, track it. Say it out loud. Naming it. Giving it a color. Somatic awareness could set you free. Okay. Stop thinking you can think your way out of your suffering, honey, because you can't. The body awareness will set you free. Okay. Would I add something to that? No, absolutely not. Absolutely perfect. Okay. Like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. okay, let's go. Next question. Louisa asks, hi, Louisa. My mother does not forgive my ex. I forgive him. We're trying to be together again. We keep getting better at this. However, we have been on and off a couple of times already. I don't blame my mom for having contempt, but how can I help myself but how can I help myself from being so upset about this? Or how can I help her forgive him or even me for my choices? So essentially I'm, I'm translating. I'm, I'm just getting some of the main things that Louisa is saying here. It's mom does not forgive the partner and she wants mom to forgive the partner. Or also she wants mom to forgive her for her choices. That's what I am um, understanding. You go off because you got a retreat in Mexico all about forgiveness. You write this about this prolifically. Uh, so go off, honey. Let's get into this. Let's get into the sauce. Mm. And again, I just want to say one more thing real quick before. For forgiveness work, we do need a little bit more con more context, but also forgiveness as, uh, as a, a practice of liberation doesn't necessarily need context. So we're just going to try to go from that place of like the vast view. Mm. Exactly. Thank you, Louisa. Uh, I first thing I would say is that forgiveness is a process. It's not like okay, forgive today, you take a pill, and then tomorrow all's been forgiven and you're set and free. Forgiveness is a ongoing process. Um, there's several. It take it takes time, like everything else. It takes time. So first thing I would offer to you is before you are expecting your mom to forgive which is such a beautiful place that you are giving your partner a chance and the two of you are working this out like sasa we don't know the context but i want you to see where is there a lack of forgiveness within you still that you are still expecting that same forgiveness from your mother 
I think that before we want other people to do the things that we think they need, let's take care of our side, you know, like stay in your lane, take care of your lane. And there could likely, likely be that she can also forgive as much as you are forgiving. But before expecting that, I would invite you to see where there's more forgiveness needed within you, whether it is forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness for your partner, forgiveness for past experiences. They're all obviously lingering and impacting your current relationship, which is just how it happens. You know, forgiveness is not like I forgive you and then it's done or forgive me. It's done. There's so much in our psychological backpack that's been holding us back and impacting how we see ourselves and how we see the world that when we do have new experiences or experiences that bring up a lot of emotions like a romantic relationship or a relationship that you are getting back together, everything that's related to that or that brings up some of those emotional, the emotional history will come up now to be seen as well. You know, it's like you're cleaning the closet and then there's a corner there. So you don't close the corner. You don't close the closet because you don't want to look at the corner. You've decided I'm going to look at the closet. So you're going to look at the closet. You know, if you're embarking in forgiveness, it's going to come. Whether it's forgiveness for parts of you, for parts of your story, for old people that are no longer in your life. Whoever it may be, things are going to come because you are essentially telling yourself, I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to be free. I'm ready to start a new story. So I want you to begin forgiving yourself, forgiving your partner, and then open the space to who else is there in your life and what other part of you that could really benefit from this process of forgiveness. And before expecting your mom to forgive, I would, I would tell her, hey, mom, can I tell you a little bit about how I'm feeling towards this? You know, we can't force anyone to do anything, but what we can do is create the conditions for them to see things differently. So if you tell her different parts of your story, if you tell her how forgiveness, how forgiveness has impacted your life, that could very likely help her to see how forgiveness can also help her life. But you can't tell her, mom, you need to forgive now because I forgave too. Hello. That's not, that feels so robotic and, and like intellectual. And again, back to what we're saying, it feels like, all right, let's fix it. You know, we're done. And it's not, it takes time. Who knows what this relationship is bringing up for your mom? We don't know. Perhaps she doesn't know. So that's why we have to be patient with ourselves and with others and love her through this process and accept her in her process. Accept that she may arrive at forgiveness at another time. Maybe never. Again, you have to accept that. Can you stay in the loving towards her, towards your partner and yourself amidst this very mysterious dance that is to be a human? That's what forgiveness allows us to do, you know? And, and what I would also offer you is to remind yourself that, you know, forgiveness takes time because it's also something incredibly revolutionary. It's nothing that we've been taught, you know? It takes time because we grew up in this society that says you do something bad, therefore you are bad. You are what you did. And that's not what forgiveness offers, especially the way that Sai and I talk about. Forgiveness is this utterly compassionate, loving, all-embracing godmother, for example, that you can bring her everything and with enough remorse and re enough resilient and devotion to want to change, it is forgivable. You can. You are worthy of another chance. doesn't matter what you have done. It, it requires a lot of work, but I believe that um, it's so possible. So I want to just add this, take care of your side of the world first, you know, inspire her by the way that you are living your life without forcing her to do something because that's what you think she needs to do. 
and tell her stories. Invite her in to experience you and your partner from a different place. Let her arrive whenever she arrives. Tell her how the practice has impacted your life without telling her, do this, do this. Inspire her by telling her your story and how you are taking care of yourself and forgiving and how this is you know, allowing you to love yourself and life and your partner a little more. And, you know, trust that it may happen or it may never happen. We also have to live with, with this mysterious, horrible beauty that is to be alive and to be truly human. That things sometimes don't, well, not sometimes, always don't make sense. And you may be surprised. Allow yourself to be surprised. That's really the last thing I want to say. Allow yourself to be surprised by the practice and by, and by those around you, by the way that you are showing up. Mm, so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Thank you. <clears throat> thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to add that I think oftentimes people forget that forgiveness isn't, um, um, like what did they say? Um, you, it, it's not free of accountability. It's not free of, 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 you know, it's not that the past is erased. It's not that this person uh, comes back fully like nothing happening to your life. This the forgiveness doesn't mean that your boundaries are no longer uh, in place. Forgiveness doesn't mean uh, any of that. What forgiveness really means is the is the to forgive means I have stopped the desire to punish. To forgive means that I have actually stopped the momentum of of a punitive approach to myself and to others. So to forgive is, is to engage in restorative justice. To forgive is to say no to the, to the um, prison industrial complex that is ruining our culture and it's ruining uh, our psyches and it's destroying our bodies and it's eroding our systems. Um, the, the punitive approach to life goes back to a moon set is you did something bad, therefore you're bad. And what do we do with bad people? We punish them. Our entire approach to when someone has done something bad is to punish them. And we punish them in our view to the same amount that we, we punish, we, we make them suffer the same amount that we of the same amount that of, of bad that they've done, that's the same amount that we want them to suffer. It's so fucked it makes no sense it doesn't even add up look at the prison the industrial prison complex look at how many people come out of prison um uh restored better version of themselves look at how many people are able to re-engage with society after prison look at how many people come out of prison um with a with an open heart you know like the 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 ask of forgiveness is to say enough with punishment, enough with an indoctrinated, colonized view that when someone does something bad, they are their behavior and therefore they must be punished. And if they're punished enough, they can be course corrected into being good. We have forgotten that there is an unstruck benevolence, an unstruck, unpoisoned benevolence, goodness, basic goodness at the base of our being. And that goodness can only be developed you know, can only be uh, fortified, can only become um, um, more and more an integral part of who you are in a conscious level. It's very unconscious. It's very deep-seated. It's very on the uh, deep there somewhere. 
we forget that we have that. When we touch base with our own goodness, when we truly realize that I am innately good, doesn't matter what I've done, doesn't matter what's done, what has been done to me, at the base of my being, at the core of my essence, at the core of what of 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 you, at the base of your being, you are innately benevolent. That basic goodness, once you touch that, your view of someone who's caused harm will change. Once you touch that, your your approach to conversations and restoration completely changes. So the ask that I have for you all too is to touch that basic goodness, to open yourself up to to really approach like a, a scientific a research. How much of my own life do I punish people? How much of your own relationship with your mom are you punishing her? How much of it have you have you been able to like make peace with and accept? How much of it do you? And it's in subtle ways, right? And maybe towards your partner still. And it, I'm I'm gonna give an example like. When, when I, when this is a very subtle, simple example that everybody can relate. When you are the person who, who are the one who always like is texting the friend or the partner and they're not texting you back as, as soon as you uh, texted them. And when they text you back right away, you pull back. Mm. They have to pay. So I'm going to ice them for a little bit. You know, it's very subtle in the ways of the, the punitive uh, system has indoctrinated your behavior and indoctrinated and poisoned your mind. So when you are approaching the path, when you're asking for these words, when you are working with the high of the highest truth of forgiveness, you are asking for genuine, profound, stable liberation. And that, my dear, is what Moon said at the beginning. It's like, it's going to, when you're working with that sauce, it's like when you work with cayenne pepper, right? It's going to make itself known to you that it's spicy. You know, certain spices you can put in there and doesn't it doesn't like cause you too much. You're like, oh, I can't really tell what it is. Cayenne pepper will tell you, bitch, it's spicy for a reason. You know, it's that chili powder shit. It's that Haitian spice, honey. Okay, um, that is when when you work in forgiveness, you will be shown all aspects of yourself that you're unwilling to. F- to make, make peace with, you're going to be shown all aspects of yourself that you're still punishing people. And you're going to be shown yourself how much or actually how little you are in touch with your own benevolence, with your own innate goodness. So I think, I think asking this question, um, it really is what's, what this question is, is showing me and clearly to Moon too. It's a big mirror up to your face, my darling, my sweet love. Look in the mirror and take a big inventory of what are the ways that you're still causing yourself harm in little ways that you're still causing all their harms in little ways. And then from that place, once you've worked through that in you, the conversation with mom will be nonverbal. The conversation with your mom will be nonverbal. Do you understand? That is very important to know that we want conversation. We want we want matters of the heart to be discussed by the mind. We want matters of the heart to be spoken by the mouth, to be heard by the ears. It's not how it works, darling. Matters of the heart are nonverbal. They're working through us, with us, for us in unseen ways. Her nervous system is going to fully relax once you fully relax. And once you walk into the kitchen table and you sit down to have an afternoon cup of tea, 
and you are sitting down with mom to talk about whatever the fuck, non-related things, but you're so relaxed in your essence, you're so relaxed in your being, her nervous system is going to relax. And the knots that she has in her mind connected to her lack of forgiveness will soften without you having to say a word, without her not, without her even having to fetch or go after that one knot in her mind, you know? So the nectar of forgiveness is, is a wild is a wild thing. You're asking for, it's when people ask for, um, uh, to work in, in a forgiveness realm, you're literally asking for one of the most profound, uh, empowerments because you're going to work with the biggest, most challenging, and also the most, uh, uh, like the, the, the forces that will make you come alive in such profound ways. Okay. We literally only got through, through, <laughs> Three questions, I think, and we're coming up to an hour. So any feedback about forgiveness, anything else, because we're going to have to close and we're going to have to bring you back um, many more times so we can keep, you know, tackling the questions together. So do you want to add anything to the forgiveness piece? I know you are. No, my love, I think, I think what, what you and I shared is, is, is a wonderful nectar for anyone to dive deeper or to start. I think we, 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 yeah, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. Okay, cool. So y'all, thank you so much for listening. What are your main takeaways from this episode, Moon? My main takeaways from this episode are be kind, take care of your mind, take care of your heart and your body, daily non-negotiables, the difference between self-development and a genuine spiritual practice. And that there is this incredible benevolent goodness within us all. It's like when Sai was saying that, I was just thinking, when we're swimming at the top of the ocean, we don't actually know what's at the base of the ocean. And that's our true nature. A lot of the times we are living and operating just on the surface of like right here in this very like gross level. But the truth of who we are is so deep and so subtle and so inherently there and unfazed by anything, literally Nothing can phase or taint that good, kind, loving, wise, benevolent nature. And if you can remember that and apply that to how we talk, how we listen, how we walk through the world, how we engage, our lives can actually be a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more peaceful. We can feel a little bit more content and and be more willing to navigate I'm moving my hands, but you, mm-hmm. maybe you're just listening. But the dance, the mystery, the ups and downs of life, this is a roller coaster. So let's stop expecting things to be good all the time, to be right, to be what you want, and dance with what's there. Show up as kind and loving and, and as open as you can. Allow yourself to fall. And remember that we can't do this alone. The same way that you know, you're here listening, we are not meant to do this alone. Um, I think these are some of the takeaways. I think there are some. Oh my God. I love that. And I love what you said. We're not meant to do this alone. I I think people forget the freedom, this innate um, capacity to, to become free happens through relationships. And it is a relational experience. More on that topic another time, honey. And just keep that in mind. Um, we cannot do this alone. We need each other. We need each other. No wonder why the Buddha said um, you have uh, this this seed of liberation in your heart. It's always there, but you got to work towards it. So here are the practices that can help you do that. And then he also said, 
you need the community to do that, you know? So keep that in mind, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Um, my main takeaway is first that I love you and I'm so grateful that we're doing this together. I mean, oh that's my, my takeaway too. Hello, obviously. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. Can we just do this every five minutes? And I think another thing, my another big takeaway is what you said. It's like, and I'm paraphrasing what you said to a degree was you said loving the parts of ourselves that we hate into integration. So can we love, you know, our, our, our really you know, all the little things that we do, all the little, you know, thoughts and feelings, all the little aspects of ourselves that we we deem as bad, that we don't like, that we're ashamed of. Can we just look to it and say, hey, darling, thank you for, thank you for, you know, being like, being of support and helping me through, through my life. And I, I love you so much. And through that process of loving and accepting, it will become integrated and it won't be calling to you in the same ways ever again. Mm -hmm. That energy may now be channeled towards inspiration. So I love what you said, loving the aspects of yourself that you hate so much so that it becomes integrated. That is profound. So thank you for that. Um, remember that moon has, I'm like, remember that what? And I was like, oh, yes, Moon has a retreat in Mexico at Maja Rose in Mazunte, Mexico, February 27th through March 4th. Check her out on social media at Moon D. Simone, M-O-U-N-D-S-I-M-O-N-E. And also Moon is open to working with private clients. So if you want to dive deep into the spiritual path, if you want to start a meditation practice or dive deep into, into, the, into the, the deep end of spirituality where you can actually like look at freedom face to face and not be afraid of being free, genuinely free, uh, Moon is, is your teacher. She can work with beginners as well as she can help an advanced practitioner to stay accountable and learn uh, you know, profound new things that can that can keep them going towards the path of liberation. You can find out about all this stuff um, through her social media. All of her offerings are in the link in her bio. Remember, at M-O-U-N-D-S-I-M-O-N-E. And also remember that I'm so grateful for you. All of you listening, I love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for helping to, you know, keep the spiritually sassy movement of redefining what it means to be spiritual in the modern world going full power. And also, I want you to know that I have um, a voice, uh, that I have a number that you can call me and leave me a voice name, voicemail. Oh my God, voicemail. And the number is 805-285-2331. Again, it's 805-285-2331. Give me a call. Leave me a voicemail. I want to hear from you. It's a place that you can send me questions, comments, feedback. It's a place that I will be listening to your voice, honey. So let's get that going, okay? And also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the, to the show. Um, and uh, share with your community. Share with your friends. Let everyone know that you are part of the Spiritually Sassy Movement. And keep in touch with me at Sade Simone on Instagram and TikTok. And also remember, new episode every Tuesday. Love you. Moon, thank you for being here. I love you. Thank you, my love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Infinitely. Thank you. I love you.